0: One small step for brands, one giant leap for brand kind. Hey, everybody, welcome back to an episode of Food Chain presented by Perfy. Today's guest, we've got Andrew Bennon of Raza with us. Andrew, thanks for joining us.
1: It is so awesome to be here. I got to get a can of Perfy right now just to have something nice.
0: Oh, yeah. Time. Kendall probably has some stashed away for you, for sure. No, it's awesome to be here. Thank you for having me. You got it, man. Appreciate it. Hey, Andrew, tell the audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, awesome. I am Andrew, as as Vasa mentioned, from New York, and man, I've worked at a lot of CPG startups. Like started my career at Ruby Parker, the Casper, then Magic Spoon. I worked at Aura Ring. Like I have just like bounced around learning so much along the way but always wanted to do my own thing and man it takes a while to muster up the courage to go for it but thankfully it finally did um it, it led me to starting this company graza which is an incredible olive oil company and like we were so happy to identify as like what we are we sell really good olive oil that's what we do it's in a squeeze bottle it's at the right press like that, that is Graza, and uh, it's been an amazing journey, and uh, I can't wait to share more today. Hell yeah, I mean, What was the inspiration behind going with olive oil? Yeah, I mean, I think olive oil, like, there's the whole, like, what problem are you solving piece of it, which is, like, what everyone loves to talk about and what VCs want to hear early on. Olive oil had that, obviously. There's, like, bougie and severely overpriced and, like... Picks up dust because people are scared to use it, or it's an expensive gift and it's got that like elevated, like hyper romanticized vibe, or it is really, really, really poor quality mixed with virgin oils or older olive oils. And you really are not getting the benefits of like paying up for a better cooking fat. You think you are, but it's still called olive oil, but really it's a moot point because you're just paying for. Another cooking fat. And olive oil, like, has been around forever. I think it's objectively delicious. I think it's objectively healthy. And, like, that is a lucky industry to work in because everything that I do and the way we operate our company and the risks we take and how we communicate is like, this is kind of just good. I've spent so much time in My wife is from Spain and I had done some consulting work with IKEA in Madrid and was getting involved in the food community there and and like I tried really amazing piquillo olive oil, which is like what we sell. And I was like, holy moly! I felt like I had tried something for the first time. Thankfully, like we didn't turn that into a bougie, you know this. Like, oh, this guy went to Europe and tried the best stuff, and now he's bringing it to America. Like, no, like we, we made it. Fun and we understood that every single apartment in New York City has olive oil in it. Every single house in Chattanooga has olive oil in it. Every single apartment in Chicago, like we're like, oh my god, everyone messes with the stuff. They just don't know what it is, and like we're gonna tell them and we're gonna show them and we're gonna make it fun.
0: That's exciting. I'm a big olive oil fan. I like oils in general. Olive oil, I like avocado oil, and I like coconut oil. Hell yeah! But one thing that I think is so awesome about raza is that the bottle is just so different obviously you know this and the second part is you have the the sizzle and the drizzle and i think it's just so intriguing that if you're going to eat an ice cream and people usually put different sorts of oils on top of that i didn't even know until you guys launched i always see your guys's photos online i think man that makes me hungry and i don't even like sweets what was the inspiration behind having a sizzle and a drizzle
1: yeah man that was definitely like one of the aha moments which you know, we've had two massive aha moments. Like One was we're going to put olive oil in a squeeze bottle had Stodged at Gramercy Tavern, which is a Michelin star restaurant here in New York. Got my first kind of hands-on like, whoa, we're using squeeze bottles all over the kitchen. And remembering that and taking a shower with a Dr. Bronner's bottle and being like, uh-oh, like, I think I'm onto it. I'm like, going to put olive oil in a squeeze bottle and bring it to mass market. That was like first aha moment. Sizzle and drizzle was the second big one. And in my research, I'd found that these early harvest olive oils were highly fragmented kind of passion projects of individual millers or farmers uh, that had their own brands. And it was really difficult for them to sell them because they felt like it needed to be this tier A crazy margin, amazing price item that like was 375 ml and really special and just for the holidays and that was wrong drizzle is something that you should have in your house every single day and use to dress your salads use to dress your ice creams used to squeeze on some avocado toast like squeeze it straight down your throat if you <laughs> want to like that is the top tier of olive oil but we don't need to communicated about that way, and we don't need to be precious with it either. Drizzle is literally early harvest olive oil harvested in October, and it's from the same exact farms from the same exact trees as sizzle. You just get a significantly lower oleic yield in October. The olive, the droop fruit is immature, and it creates a higher polyphenol load. It creates a more aggressive flavor profile. It gets right in the back of your throat, and causes you to cough, which is identification that there are active polyphenols, active antioxidants in that product. So that's drizzle. It's it's definitely a superstar and by far the best value in the market for like that quality of olive oil. We say like it would kind of instruct people without being too prescriptive, like don't heat this. Like we're saying, made for eating, never heating. And then sizzle is harvested six weeks later. You get double the yield from the fruit, uh, which is why it's cheaper. It's still absolutely incredible. Certain Michelin star restaurants that we sell to, buy that instead of drizzle because they like that flavor profile more. But to the consumer to effectively communicate, that's our cooking oil. And it's a liberal oil in the sense that like, you shouldn't be scared about how much you put in a pan or like if you want to confit something, Or, like, you shouldn't have that moment where you're like, oh my God, I just squeezed $5 worth of oil into the pan. Like, no, you sizzle to make a fried egg every day. Like, you're going to get 30 fried eggs out of that. So, yeah, and we have them in different sized bottles and we sell them as a pack on our website, which is awesome. And, you know, early retail data is that like people are buying both, which is incredible.
0: That's amazing to hear. Aside from the two aha moments that you mentioned, when was your aha moment after you launched where you realized, holy shit, this is going to work? Or have you not had it yet?
1: No, I mean, like when we turned on, we had like definitely invested in building in a pre-launch marketing strategy that was all organic and like we seeded, you know, as aggressively as we could. And we knew, we knew before launch that it was going to work because the high inclination of a diverse amount of creators, different backgrounds and different food groups and different communities from like the brisket to the pizza to like, everybody was messing with us. And everybody was giving us amazing feedback. And everybody was sharing. That's because I think when people receive this product, whether you're a customer or content creator, you know exactly what to do with it. You don't have to think... Is this new? Is this like a new USP that like I've never kind of heard of? Like, what do I use this for? Like you're like, oh my God, this is olive oil in a squeeze bottle. I open it up and I start squeezing it. So we had a feeling that it was going to work even before we launched, when we sold a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory in our first 24 hours without having paid ads. It was moving. Day two, people like Molly Baz, who's become a friend to us and like she just Liked it and shared our story, and you know, we saw the Google Analytics traffic, traffic like go crazy. We were like, oh my god, man! There are trusted people in the food community that are experiencing our product, smelling it, tasting it, giving amazing feedback, and their communities are trusting them and ordering. That just kept going. I mean, it was painful to be out of stock and under forecasted our first year, but you know we got our shit together, and now we're here.
0: What about like your focus on? online sales versus in-store. Has that changed? Has it stayed the same since you launched?
1: Yeah, it stayed the same. It's I, I feel like we're most proud of that, honestly, because we positioned it as a brand that is digitally native when it comes to building community, creating content, having an e-commerce platform, but built for retail in terms of our pricing structure, in terms of our scalability, in terms of our like understanding that Each consumer in these different environments is different. And like we have to service them in different ways and meet people where they're at early as we can. So we have a massive emphasis on our wholesale business from specialty stores that we build personal relationships with, and they're thriving, to grocers like Whole Foods who have been incredible partners to us and we've invested in innovation there and have seen amazing velocities to our online customer and like what our loyalty offerings are and how to take care of the people that took the time to find us and interact with us so maybe that's why we're so overworked and stressed and neurotic and crazy and but it all feels good right now our revenue is such an even split between our online business and our wholesale business. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Love to hear it, man. Love to hear it. I want to go back to like more of the origin. When you were thinking about starting your own thing, were there any other like products that you were looking at before you landed on dope olive oil? Or was it just out the gate? I'm doing olive oil. There's gonna be two different types. It's gonna be in an awesome squeeze bottle and we're going after it. Was there anything else you were thinking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're in this like predicament of like, I've wanted to start a company since I was 20. And like, I didn't until I was 28. You know, like you're, you're thinking of stuff the whole time. And I feel like going through the gamut of things that like, yeah, you know, I remember like seven years ago being like, Wait, protein, like I have to make like the best competitor to and then like naked whey came out, you know, like, I definitely was like more theme to like what was going on in my life if i was starting to exercise i I want to start a company there and like i was working at casper i wanted to start something that like it was just fueled by those experiences you know olive was the first one where it was like the large equalizer of everything i was like okay this is like i'm not trying to sell the show i love cooking my wife's from spain i've spent a lot of time in spain like i've seen all the olive farms like i'm in it already you know yeah I don't even need to like do a market analysis. Like, I know that it's saturated. I know that it's competitive. But that wasn't why the company was being started. It was being started like from the heart. I love this stuff. I have the taste. I figured out the pricing structure. Like, going to build the. T- like, you know, it felt more genuine rather than opportunistic.
0: Yeah, I hear you. This is kind of random, but I was just watching the Elvis movie earlier this week, and one thing I really loved about it, and I'm going to tie this back into olive oil in one second. But I didn't know that Elvis was really, really frowned upon when he first launched as of the way that he danced or moved on stage and he got shipped into the military because that was almost a punishment for pissing some people off. One thing I like about Founders and one thing that I thought about with that is there is so much sameness in food and beverage sometimes that I see. And I like that you went and you did something different. And you said a minute ago, that you knew that it was saturated, you knew that it was competitive, but you still went and did it in your own way with squeeze bottles. And I think that's what makes people great. I think that's what made Elvis great. He did it differently. He went against the grain and he went against what the general public thought. And when you start a brand, I think it really is brave people that do it for the impact. Yeah, there might be money at the end of the tunnel, but for me, I think that being yourself, doing something that may be already done in a dozen different ways, but doing it Particularly well in your very own way is so impactful as a startup founder and just generally as a human.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing point because right for companies, revenue is obviously core. I mean, we're talking top three most important internal metrics at a company. You know, revenue is always going to be top three, but I feel like we're in a position, or what I felt early on, was a genuine excitement because I knew the product was so good. And I knew the experience was so joyous. And I knew the brand was going to give someone a smirk. It was like, well, I can think about it as revenue, or I can just stay centered and grounded. In I'm really excited for more people to experience this. I know that they're not overpaying for it. I know that the quality is going to give them a little reaction. You know, I mean, like, wow, that's good stuff. You know, I know that they're going to have that moment of like, damn, why didn't I think of olive oil in a squeeze bottle? Our team is so motivated by the content that we produce and decisions that we make because we're excited about new people experiencing it because we think they're going to have a joyous reaction.
0: I see that theme a lot on your guys' social about like joy and happiness, and it's it's less so like in ways like the education is it's a squeeze bottle. There's one that you dress things with. There's one that you use to cook. It's super simple, easy to understand. Is that all intentional? Because everyone kind of knows what olive oil is. There's no real hey, this is holier than thou, but you guys do have a cool way that you process it. One's harvested six weeks later than the other. Is it intentional to be just 100% fun on social?
1: Yeah, I think so. I really do. It's not purely data-driven, obviously, because we don't have enough data. You know, we launched six and a half months ago or seven months ago. Oh, today's our seven-month anniversary.
0: Congrats.
1: Yeah, I, I really think so because I think food startups in general like we all are in this content creator economy also of like okay we need to be producing recipes and we need recipes to be core to us like people love food and then i think you find your own position where you're like why am i actually serving this other recipe or this other sandwich the reason is people want like like seeing that it's we're hardwired to get hungry food and instagram are almost like built for each other so, I think for us, it was finding the courage to do some of that, but also break away and be like, well, we're actually servicing something to someone, not to elicit that like drool inducing, I'm so hungry, like I'm just going to go buy a sandwich right now because I'm just, but maybe we're just going to make them smile. And I think that's a, either they're both valuable, but I think we do a good job of balancing them. Like, we can't just show how to sear salmon and olive oil over and over and over again, or how to make an avocado toast over and over again. Uh, We wanted to be diverse and we wanted, I think I've personally grown resistant to founder stories as being core to the brand. I think they can get spun up in really weird ways sometimes. But I think my take was our team's personalities are going to come out through social through like the brand voice is just going to be our personalities in a sense. And and that's kind of how our social has evolved.
0: I hear you. One thing about that is I've taken a completely different approach with Perfi. I think there's two goals for any founder. And you mentioned, you know, those three KPIs, revenue, quality, and I think the third one was unique, but we could go back to that. For me, it's 100% about founder story and it's something I invest mostly in. And I've got to find ways to separate from, Being a little bit jaded with being in social for just a decade now, and there's always keeps you on your toes too because it's always changing. But for me, I really focus on this is why Perfi was created, and I think it's important for me because beverage is one so damn competitive. Two, it's so damn expensive. I think that one of the points of difference for Perfi is an emotional point of difference, and and that's one probably every single person you know has been impacted by someone that has either diabetes or has lost their life way too soon and is dealing with certain things, especially now after the pandemic, I call it before COVID and after COVID. Yeah. And and that's why I lean so heavily into, why did I even burn the boats and take all of my savings, all of my stocks, all of my crypto and put it into a beverage? And I think it's important for me from Perfy's standpoint to, to focus quite a bit on that.
1: And I agree, I respect it so much. And I think these are examples where like, I don't have all the answers and mm-hmm. being challenged here in a sense I, I you know it's I'm, I have a lot of pressure from our PR team a lot times from our internal team to to voice it more. I think my main difference is I think the founding story is so important sometimes I just I want sometimes the brand to tell it <laughs> like yeah. as a character an animated person yeah. tell it as much as more so than I want myself to be like, i'm andrew and like this is what we did it's like this is graza
0: yeah i get that it's sometimes tough too and it took a, a minute for me to be comfortable with that but i often hide behind uh literally hide behind my uh our character dr Perfy. it's a new flavor that we're launching and it's an, a doodles nft and i kind of just let her have all the fun and i try to keep it on podcasts and and things like that for the story but what do you got in the pipe? Don't reveal anything like that you shouldn't or don't want to, but are you guys going to focus on sizzle and drizzle for a while? Do you have things that maybe different flavors, different form factors? How are you guys thinking about that? Yeah. I mean,
1: we are in the camp of do what you do really well. Yeah, That's at our core. I think it's a good way to operate an organization and build, you know, a responsibly financially organized organization early on i don't i think because we see everything's on the table Vasa. like at the end of the day but uh we won't be quick to launch new products to lift aov for example we won't be what we know we'll do is we'll keep olive oil core to everything like graza fundamentally is an olive oil company we want to be one of the largest importers of olive oil and and suppliers of olive oil, olive oil in North America. So that means launching products that have to do with olive oil. But like, just because our customers are saying, man, this would work so well for balsamic vinegar, and like every olive oil company launches a vinegar, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that that's what we're going to do. We're really open. I mean, we just had a really successful collab, a limited time offering. We partnered up with Fishwife and Diaspora and created a product together. There was a smoked cod, canned and preserved in our sizzle with the fracture on your black pepper from diaspora. And Like those are opportunities that we will always explore because I think they're creative. I think they're authentic. I think they're different. And I think they realistically are things that big food can't spin up as quickly as we can. I'd be excited about the ones that are coming down the pipe. We have some awesome limited time offerings. Yeah, we're big believers in sizzle and drizzle. We don't even think we've reached you know one percent of our potential with how big drizzle can get!
0: i love it you know an- another brand that had great skew discipline was uh or is liquid death like they didn't launch the, the flavored carbonated sparkling waters for several years they did the, the can sparkling and can still pretty damn well for for quite some time so much respect there yeah bad uh, like mike's hot honey if there's any you know startup founders that are loving what you're doing and and listening in to learn more about how you did it. What's one thing that you would say is like a cautionary tale to watch out for, for people starting up their own thing these days.
1: I think that it's more like people did have to drill into me early on. There's a difference between I'm going to raise money and I'm going to spend it irresponsibly to you need to spend money to make money. And I think understanding early on what those expenditures need to be right like we needed to build a budget for seeding products we need to make you spend money to make money we needed to get talented people involved early on that were organic marketing wizards you need to spend money to make money our brand when we were developing it there was a lot of pressure from the community on like, brand is dead like private label is going to take over and so many people have worked for these big branding agencies and gotten torched. It's like, yeah, well, that's because their product sucked, actually. Brand is alive. You need to spend money to make money. Figuring out that balance early on and having good advisors and good people you trust, I think is really important.
0: Yeah, there are quite a few brands out there that have great historical people creating the branding, but maybe have rushed to the product. And one thing, if I could, was... I didn't even start the branding of Perfy until after the liquid was pretty much done. There was a lot of things we were drumming up, but nothing really, I learned after we launched, to be honest, There's one of my biggest errors, like my cautionary tale is I probably wouldn't have rushed through getting liquid in cans and then the branding. I probably would have taken more time and launched a few months later so I could have nailed the 1.0 label. But for me, it was pretty expensive, but I was also able to seed a lot of product with that 1.0 label. I just had to pause on all my retail efforts until our 2.0 label launches, which is later this month. But I think that would be mine is don't speed through it. I think I created a fictitious finish line, which was actually a a new starting line for me, which is launch. But I definitely, if I had to go back, the one thing I would change is slow down a little bit more.
1: Yeah, it's a great point, and uh, one that I empathize with greatly and
0: experienced
1: um, in, in many ways. So of ways. It's an awesome point. I'm learning right now from you. It's great.
0: Well, Andrew, that's going to conclude. But before we close it out, where can people find you, and where can they find Graza?
1: Graza is everywhere. Uh, okay. no, we can find it on our website, graza.co, C-O, uh, we cannot afford the .com. And you can find us in a bunch of Whole Foods, all the fresh markets, fresh times. We have so many amazing at Central market. You could go to our stockists website and find a store near you. There definitely is one. we, you know, we have distribution in all 50 states now, which is great. And I would, if I were you, check us out on Instagram. That's at Getgraza because. That's where like, you might not bias, but at least you're gonna get a laugh. So yeah.
0: Amazing, man. Well, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Uh, Loved hearing a little bit about the story of Graza and listening and seeing under the hood. Really appreciate you, man.
1: Awesome, thank you so much for having me.